You're listening to a sermon podcast for a time like this from St. Benedict's Table, a congregation of the Anglican Church of Canada located in Winnipeg, Manitoba. Alleluia, Christ is risen. The Lord is risen indeed. Alleluia. Having proclaimed our alleluias, we stand in this pandemic time, faced with the least celebratory of the gospel accounts of the resurrection. So they went out and fled from the tomb, for terror and amazement had seized them, and they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. This is where the oldest and the best manuscripts of the Gospel according to Mark end. With a look of fear on the faces of the women who had gone to the tomb to anoint the dead body of Jesus, only to find the tomb empty. He's been raised, he's not here, the angelic figure tells them, and it scares them out of their wits. The end. Seriously? If you take your Bible out, turn to the 16th chapter of Mark, you'll see that there is more material. Two additional endings, in fact, usually bracketed off and called the shorter ending of Mark and the longer ending of Mark, neither of which appear in the best and most ancient manuscripts. It would appear that these are later pieces added by writers who knew the other three Gospels and wanted to bring Mark's Gospel account to a more satisfying conclusion. But they are clearly later additions because the Greek is quite different. It's possible, of course, that the original ending of Mark had been lost. Ancient manuscripts are fragile, and often the fragments have to be painstakingly pieced together by people far more patient than me. That's the opinion of some very fine biblical scholars. Many other equally fine scholars, though, are persuaded that we do, in fact, have the story as Mark intended to tell it. That what he has given us as his account nears its end are two snapshots. Firstly, the look of awe on the face of the Roman centurion as he watches Jesus die and utters those words, truly this man was God's son. And then secondly, the look of fear on the faces of the women as they flee the empty tomb. But surely, you must say, surely Mark knows that the women did go and tell Peter and the others. And surely Mark did know that. But the Gospel writers didn't work in the way that modern historians do, and that they aren't concerned so much as to line up the facts as they are in conveying a message. And Mark's message is basically... You've heard the fast-paced story I've told you about Jesus. You've seen the looks on the faces of that centurion and on those women. Now how are you going to respond to this story? 
Here I really appreciate the insight of Makoto Fujimura when he writes, in the Christian journey, the greatest triumph, the bodily resurrection of Christ from the grave is not the happy ending of a fairy tale, but only the beginning of the new, with the entry point being suffering and persecution. The beginning of the new with the entry point being suffering and persecution, which is in fact what it was. Remember Jesus' words to James and John. When they'd come requesting places of honor in his coming kingdom, let us sit at your right and your left side. He says, you do not know what you're asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink? Or be baptized with the baptism that I'm baptized with? And all of them would in time drink that cup of suffering and persecution. For that was how the new was brought about into a hostile world. I recently finished reading Makoto Fujimura's book, new book, Art and Faith a theology of making, in which he has some extraordinary things to say about all of this. Mako is a Japanese-American artist, visual artist, of international renown, whose very fine written works explore the intersection of art, faith, culture, and theology with a remarkable level of insight and power. Born in the United States, Mako spent most of his childhood in Japan, where he was immersed in its language and culture. As a painter, he draws deeply on Japanese techniques, using an array of traditional materials that require time and discipline and patience to prepare and more patience to apply layer after layer after layer of paint. His approach to art, in fact, has been described by David Brooks of the New York Times as, quote, a small rebellion against the quickening of time. His paintings, though well done with traditional materials and techniques, are very modern and very contemporary, both adventurous and lovely. Perhaps it's not unfair to characterize Mako as an ancient future artist, as he draws deeply from ancient wells in order to say something to the world through art about its possible future. Well, in this particular book, Art and Faith, Mako introduced me to an art form called kintsugi, kintsugi, which comes to us from the Japanese tea masters of the 16th century. When a tea vessel is broken, whether a pot or one of the bowls, rather than simply discarding it or trying to repair it, it is instead renewed, even transformed, through kintsugi. It's done using Japanese lacquer, which binds the broken pieces together, which is then overlaid with gold. 
And so Mako writes, Kintsugi does not just fix or repair a broken vessel. Rather, the technique makes the broken pottery even more beautiful than the original. As the Kintsugi master will take the broken work and create a restored piece that makes the broken parts even more visually sophisticated. No two works done with such mastery will look the same or break in the same way. Well, Mako finds in this a way of talking about resurrection. Not that it's a perfect image for the resurrection of Jesus, but what image could possibly be perfect? For in his resurrection, Jesus' broken and dead body was not repaired. That would be resuscitation followed by some serious plastic surgery. But rather was raised, resurrected, into a whole new way of being truly and fully alive. And yet, he has scars in his hands and his feet in his resurrection life. Scars. The resurrected Christ still bears the wounds of the crucifixion, writes Mako. Through these sacred wounds, a new world is born. Through the revealing of the wounds still embedded in the new body of Christ, our faith is given. See, the resurrected Lord is recognizably Jesus of Nazareth. And he will take fish and bread into those nail-scarred hands and eat together with his friends. But he's also something and someone new, more beautiful, more vibrantly alive than anyone has ever been. Broken vessels that we are too, we are caught up in resurrection life, both now in the present and ultimately in the fullness of time. And so Mako comments, our brokenness in light of the wounds of Christ still visible after the resurrection, can also mean that through making, by honoring the brokenness, the broken shapes can somehow be a necessary component of the new world to come. This is the most outrageous promise of the Bible, that the broken shapes, the broken people, are somehow a necessary component of the new to come. Now think on that. Yes, in Mark's account, the women fled in fear from the tomb. But as the other three gospel writers tell us, they did eventually find the courage to go and tell Peter and the others, becoming the very first heralds of the resurrection, those terrified women. Poor, broken-hearted Peter, full of shame for having denied Jesus, stands in the resurrection light and under the power of the Spirit and becomes the rock-solid apostle Jesus always said he would be. Thomas, with all of his doubts, who takes one look at the wounds in Jesus' hands and feet and falls to his knees in awe. Paul, 
who in today's epistle reading describes himself as unfit to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God, is knocked off his feet, struck blind by his encounter with the risen Christ, and yet becomes the most important figure in sharing resurrection gospel light with Gentiles, slaves, merchants, outsiders, women, and so many others who had little place or status in the status quo of the empire or of the temple religious system. Broken vessels all now remade, with hidden seams like gold making them more whole and more beautiful and more truly themselves than they'd imagined possible. Not that these characters suddenly became perfect or invincible or free of their own struggles and doubts. No, this side of the fullness of the coming of the kingdom, that will never be our lot. But even in our brokenness, especially in our brokenness, we can place ourselves in the wounded hands of Jesus and trust that his resurrection is remaking us too. The broken and fractured pieces of us restored anew by seams touched by the gold that is the grace of God. That is Easter. Alleluia, Christ is risen. The Lord is risen indeed. Alleluia. Amen. This has been a sermon podcast from St. Benedict's Table. For information on our church, including further resources during these days of the COVID-19 global pandemic, or to provide support for our online work, visit us online at stbenedictstable.ca. Thanks for listening.